Welcome to the Addiction in Emergency Medicine and Acute Care podcast. Why does this matter? One person in the United States dies from a drug overdose every six minutes. We as healthcare providers must do better to treat addiction, prevent overdoses, and improve the lives of our patients and their families. This podcast is designed to provide you with simple and evidence-based information on substance use disorders that you can use to take better care of your patients on your next shift. Hello everyone, Dr. Casey Grover here to welcome you back to another episode of the Addiction in Emergency Medicine and Acute Care podcast. Let's jump right into this episode, which will be on the topic of urine drug screens. Now, why did I choose this topic? Well, if you remember back to episodes 48 and 50, we spoke to Aiden, a young man in recovery, and he talked about having issues with law enforcement when his urine drug screen was falsely positive due to psychiatric medications. And he rattled off a few prescription medications that can cause false positive urine drug screens during one of the episodes. And I realized I didn't know enough about this topic, so it was time for a podcast episode. How do urine drug screens work? What causes false positives? And what causes false negatives? Unfortunately, there's not a ton of literature on this topic and not a lot of recent literature on this topic but I found two good papers that we're going to be going through. The first one looks at false positives only, and the second one provides more of an overview of urine drug testing in general. So, let's get to the first paper. It's entitled, Commonly Prescribed Medications and Potential False Positive Urine Drug Screens. It's from the American Journal of Health System Pharmacy in 2010, and Nancy Bram is the lead author. Let's dig in. The article begins with a very brief introduction section. All they really do in the introduction section is to highlight the problem of false positive urine drug screens. They note that individuals whose urine drug screen is falsely positive are uniquely liable in many ways. It could affect their enrollment in an addiction treatment program, It could affect what a court does if they are in a court-ordered drug treatment program. It could affect their employment, and it could affect how a family member treats them or perceives them. And for us as healthcare practitioners, false positive urine drug screen results may affect the trust of the patient-clinician relationship. So with that, the authors jump into the methodology of their paper. The authors report doing a comprehensive literature review for all medications on formulary at the Bedlam Clinic, which is a clinic in Oklahoma that many of the authors were affiliated with. They took the 116 medications which were on the formulary of this clinic and comprehensively reviewed the literature on all of them regarding these medications causing false positive urine drug screens. They found that 25 of the 116 medications on their formulary could cause a false positive urine drug screen, and these medications were from multiple drug classes. And a quick aside, the authors are talking about qualitative urine drug screens here. More information on that later in the episode. 
Okay, back to the article. The authors list all of the 25 medications that they found literature on as causing false positive urine drug screens in table one of the paper. Let's go through that. They start with antihistamines and decongestants. Brofeniramine can cause a false positive for amphetamine and methamphetamine. Diphenhydramine can cause a false positive for methadone. Doxylamine can cause a false positive for methadone. And I'm going to butcher the pronunciation on this one, but phenylpropanolamine can cause a false positive for amphetamine and methamphetamine. They move on to antidepressants. Bupropion can cause a false positive for amphetamine and methamphetamine. Clomipramine can cause a false positive for methadone. Sertraline can cause a false positive for benzodiazepines. Trazodone can cause a false positive for amphetamine and methamphetamine. And venlafaxine can cause a false positive for PCP. Next, they look at antibiotics. And they note that some quinolones can cause a false positive for opiates. Moving on to other analgesics. Ibuprofen can cause a false positive for PCP, cannabinoids, and barbiturates, and naproxen can cause a false positive for cannabinoids and barbiturates. The authors next look at antipsychotics, some of which are also used for nausea. Chlorpromazine can cause a false positive for methadone as well as amphetamine and methamphetamine. Promethazine can cause a false positive for amphetamine and methamphetamine. Catiapine can cause a false positive for methadone and thioridazine can cause a false positive for methadone. And finally, the authors look at a few other medications. Dextromethorphan can cause a false positive for PCP, and ranitidine can cause a false positive for amphetamine and methamphetamine, and finally, verapamil can cause a false positive for methadone. Now, before we go on, you can tell how old this article is as some of these medications are no longer used. Some of them I've actually never even heard of. The authors next move on to discuss what they found in their literature review for each of these medications. And they actually discuss each of the different drug classes they reviewed, and I will hit the high points. First, amphetamine and methamphetamine were the most commonly reported false positive urine drug screen result. While some of the medications we looked at were structurally similar to amphetamine and methamphetamine, ranitidine was actually not, so the authors wanted to explore this more. The most common dose of ranitidine that would cause a false positive urine drug screen was 150 milligrams to 350 milligrams daily. The authors also found that false positives for amphetamine and methamphetamine caused by ranitidine depended on the type of testing assay used, as not all assays gave a false positive with ranitidine. The authors then move on to discuss false positive tests for methadone caused by antihistamines. The authors found that daily doses of 100 to 200 milligrams of diphenhydramine were most often associated with false positive drug screens for methadone. The authors then reviewed antibiotics, and they specifically called out ofloxacin, ciprofloxacin, norfloxacin, and gatifloxacin as causing false positive opioid urine drug screens. Interestingly, while the authors didn't put this in their table one, they report that rifampin can cause a false positive urine drug screen for opiates as well. The authors move on to review psychiatric medications, 
calling out that daily sertraline doses of over 150 milligrams daily were associated with false positive urine drug screens for benzos. And also note that not all medications in a particular class will cause false positive urine drug screens. For example, other selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors were not associated with false positive urine drug screens for benzodiazepines. It was only sertraline. The authors also report on another medication that they did not include in their table one, which was selegiline, noting that it was reported to cause false urine drug screens for amphetamine and methamphetamine. The authors then move on to a general discussion section. They begin by noting that immunoassays are the most common type of urine drug screen used, as these tests are inexpensive and rapid. However, these results are qualitative and have a risk of false positives. They note that gas chromatography mass spectrometry is much more accurate and is therefore used for confirmatory testing. The authors actually recommend that when the stakes are high when it comes to the results of urine drug screens, such as in drug court or with employment, that any positive immunoassay results should be confirmed with gas chromatography mass spectrometry to rule out any false positives. And a quick aside, we'll get more information on the difference between these two types of tests shortly. Back to the article. And with that, the authors move on to their conclusion, which they state is, quote, a number of routinely prescribed medications have been associated with triggering false positive urine drug screen results. Verification of the test results with a different screening test or additional analytical tests should be performed to avoid adverse consequences for the patient, end quote. And that is the end of the first paper. Let's move on to the second article. It's entitled, Urine Drug Tests, Ordering and Interpretation. It's from American Family Physician in 2019, and Nalima Kale is the sole author. I apologize if I mispronounced that. It's an article meant to provide guidance to family practice docs on how to use urine drug screens in general, particularly when treating patients on chronic opioid therapy. Let's dig into this article. The author begins by noting, why urine drug testing is used in the first place, which she notes is to, quote, monitor compliance with prescribed therapy and to detect the use of non-prescribed and illicit substances, end quote. She also notes that the urine drug screen is not to be used in isolation. Clinicians must interview their patients, conduct physical exams, review medication records, and review prescription drug monitoring programs. She then goes on to describe the different types of urine drug tests, which is similar to what the authors in the first paper reviewed for us. She reminds us that the initial urine drug screens are immunoassays, which are qualitative tests that screen for classes of drugs, such as opioid, cocaine, amphetamines, and benzos. These tests are often done in the office as a point of care test and provide rapid results. However, the author also notes that these immunoassay tests have limitations, such as they do not detect synthetic or semi-synthetic opioids such as oxycodone or fentanyl. The author then moves on to recommend that in the case of unexpected positive results or unexpected negative results, providers should send confirmatory testing, and this involves sending the urine test out to a lab. Most confirmatory tests use gas or liquid chromatography to separate out the different drugs in a specimen and then use mass spectrometry to detect the drugs. 
let's take a quick aside to help you know the difference between these two types of tests. A qualitative immunoassay test just tells you positive or negative for a general group of substances, such as opiates, benzodiazepines, or amphetamines. This is actually what we use in my emergency department. A quantitative test using chromatography followed by mass spectrometry gives you precise drug levels for a particular drug and may also include the metabolite. For example, in my addiction clinic, we use this type of test and I can actually compare quantitative levels of fentanyl or diazepam or THC in my patients when I see them week to week. We actually test for about 25 different substances and I get back levels for all of them in about a week. These quantitative tests generally, unless the patient is tampering with the urine specimen, do not have false positives or false negatives. So when we are talking about false positive and false negative urine drug screens, we are referring to the qualitative immunoassay tests. Back to the article. The author concludes this section with table two, which is an overview of multiple different substances, what their most common metabolites are, and how long they can be detected in urine after use. It's a free paper on PubMed, so check it out. I actually took a picture of table two and saved it on my phone for reference. The author makes one final point before moving on to the next section. Urine drug tests, even the confirmatory ones, may not detect the newest substances in the illicit market. Labs running tests may not know that novel stimulants, research chemicals, synthetic cannabinoids, and dark web benzos are in the illicit drug supply and may not be able to test for them. So, if you suspect your patient is using something new or unusual, you may have to contact your lab running the quantitative confirmatory test to see if they can even test for it. And the immunoassay qualitative tests almost certainly are not able to pick up these novel substances. Okay, the author moves on to discuss how to interpret test results. It's here that she takes on false positive results. Most often, false positive results come from cross-reactivity of commonly used medications with the drugs being tested for on the immunoassay. And she has a large table three that shows common medications that can cause false positives on urine drug screens. Let's go through this. Benzodiazepines can have a false positive if the patients are using oxaprazin or sertraline. Cannabinoids can have a false positive if patients are using dronabinol, efavirenz, hemp-containing foods, proton pump inhibitors, tolmetin, and NSAIDs. Opioids can have a false positive if patients are using dextromethorphan, quinine, quinolones, rifampin, and verapamil. PCP can have a false positive if patients are using dextromethorphan, diphenhydramine, doxylamine, ibuprofen, ketamine, meperidine, thioridazine, tramadol, and venlafaxine. And amphetamines, get ready for it, can have a false positive from amontadine, bupropion, chlorpromazine, tisipramine, isomethepdine, labetalol, phenylephrine, promethazine, pseudoephedrine, ranitidine, selegiline, thioridazine, trazodone, trimethabenzamide, and trimipramine. I think I pronounced those right, good heavens. And obviously, if your patient is on a prescription opioid or benzodiazepine, 
they will likely test positive for opioids or benzodiazepines. Or if your patient is on a stimulant for ADHD, they will likely test positive for amphetamine, which is why reviewing the prescription drug monitoring program results and medication list is so important when interpreting the urine drug screen results. The author next moves on to false negatives, and there are a few flavors here to discuss. A true negative is when a patient is not using a substance or drug, say amphetamines, and the urine drug screen is negative for that drug or substance. Patients may have false negatives when a drug or a metabolite of a drug is present, but at such low levels that it cannot be detected on the immunoassay. And patients may have false negatives if there are contaminants in the urine that interfere with the immunoassay or the urine has been diluted. And it just so happens that the author has put together a table four on adulterants used to prevent detection of drugs in urine samples. I took a photo of this chart and saved it in my phone too. Here are some common ones. Ammonia, bleach, vinegar, visine eye drops, potassium nitrite, and the herbal supplement, golden seal. The author further elaborates that some patients will drink a lot of water or use diuretics to make the urine so dilute that the drugs cannot be detected. For this reason, many urine drug screen tests will report the specific gravity and urine creatinine to the provider so that the provider can see how diluted the urine is when interpreting the results. The author also notes a practice called shaving, which is when a patient who is supposed to be on a medication but who is not taking it will add a small amount of that medication to the urine specimen to avoid having a negative test. Interestingly, in this case, when confirmatory testing is sent, the specimen will have a very high concentration of the drug but zero of any of the expected metabolites. The author concludes this section by debunking some common myths which I thought were interesting so I included them. Myth number one, eating poppy seeds will make your urine positive for opioids. One study actually looked at this and tested it on healthy volunteers. Eating poppy seeds did result in morphine and codeine being detected in the urine, but at extremely low levels, well below the threshold of detection for most immunoassays. So, casual ingestion of poppy seed containing foods is not likely to cause a positive urine drug screen for opioids. Myth number two, passive cannabis smoke inhalation will make your urine positive for cannabis. They also tested this. Passive inhalation of cannabis did result in THC being detected in the urine, but at extremely low levels, well below the threshold of detection for most immunoassays. So, outside of extreme exposures in small confined areas with high concentrations of cannabis smoke in the air, passive smoke inhalation of cannabis is not likely to cause a positive urine drug screen result. And that concludes the second paper. Okay, let's take a minute to check in to see where we are at with this episode. I feel like we have a good sense of the limitations of immunoassay urine drug screens. We're aware that there are common false positives on urine drug screens, and that if we really want to find out what's in a patient system, we have to send out the specimen for confirmatory testing. Now, I did find some other papers on this topic, and pulling back the curtain on how I make these episodes, I usually do a literature search to find good papers, and I go through the papers when writing an episode in no particular order. 
For this episode, I feel like we've gotten really good information from these first two papers, but I wanted to see what was in the other papers. The first one was published in the Journal of Analytical Toxicology in 2014 with Alex Seitman as the lead author. The title is False Positive Interferences of Common Urine Drug Screen Immunoassays, a Review. And this paper is a literature review of false positive results on immunoassay urine drug screens. It's really detailed. It goes through each drug class and looks at the chemical structure of each class and then compares it to the medications that cause false positive results. It also goes through different brands of immunoassays to report which brands are known to have false positives from different medications. So, if you want more detail on how and why medications cause false positives on urine drug screens, check this one out. It's free to access on PubMed. And the second one was published in Mayo Clinic Proceedings in 2008 with Karen Muller as the lead author. The title is Urine Drug Screening, a Practical Guide for Clinicians. And this article is very similar to the one in Journal of Analytical Toxicology. It's a detailed review of each drug class, including chemical structures, and reviews how and why each medication causes false positives. It also goes through different immunoassay brands. This article is also free to access on PubMed, so if you want more detail on how and why medications cause false positives on urine drug screens, check this one out too. Before we go, one last point on false negatives. The second paper we reviewed glossed over this, and I just wanted to take a minute to delve into one other issue with qualitative immunoassay urine drug screens. The author pointed out that synthetic opioids may not be detected on urine drug screens. Let's unpack this. Basically, these immunoassays are all about the shape and structure of molecules. Morphine and codeine are structurally similar, so the urine drug screen will detect both of them as the immunoassay is set up to show a positive when molecules like these are detected. Fentanyl, however, has a very different chemical structure and so will not be detected. So, there is one more false negative which is when there are drugs in a particular class that have a very different chemical structure than other drugs in that class. Opioids, as we just discussed, are probably the best example of this as the urine drug screen is set up to detect opiates that are very similar to morphine. And we have lots of synthetic opioids like methadone, tramadol, and fentanyl, which are very different and therefore will not be detected. This can also be seen with other classes too. For example, with benzos, chlordiazepoxide and alprazolam are chemically different enough from the basic benzodiazepine chemical structure that the qualitative immunoassay urine drug screen may not pick up on them. And there's also variability assay to assay. If you're really interested in what your urine drug screen can and can't detect, reach out to your lab director. Okay, it's time to wrap this episode up with some take-home points. Number one, urine drug testing is used to monitor compliance with prescribed therapy and to detect the use of non-prescribed and illicit substances. Number two, false positive urine drug screens can have serious consequences for patients as results can affect employment, participation in drug treatment programs, and family trust. 
and false positive urine drug screen results can have serious legal consequences. Number three, the urine drug screen is not to be used in isolation. Clinicians must interview their patients, conduct physical exams, review medication records, and review prescription drug monitoring programs. Number four, most initial urine drug screens are done using immunoassays, which are rapid, often point of care, qualitative tests looking to see if substances from a class of drugs, such as opioids, cocaine, or cannabis, can be detected in a person's urine. Number five, there are multiple prescription medications that are known to cause false positive results on immunoassay testing. There are too many medications that cause false positives for us to easily remember, but know that you can go back very easily and review any of the four papers I talked about in this podcast if you want to know if a medication might be causing a false positive in your patient. Alternatively, you can reach out to the lab director who's supervising the test. Number six, confirmatory testing can be done if an unexpected result is found on your patient's urine drug screen. These tests are usually send outs to a lab and the labs use chromatography and mass spectrometry to determine quantitative drug levels and drug metabolite levels. Number seven, urine drug screens can have false negatives for many reasons. Be aware that there are things patients can add to their urine specimens to try to change the results. And that very dilute urine suggests the patient may be trying to hide results. For very dilute urine, the test should be repeated with a urine of a normal concentration. And number eight, novel substances are not likely to be detected on immunoassay urine drug screens, and labs doing confirmatory testing may not know how to test for them or even be able to test for them. If you have a substance in your community that you are worried about, contact the lab that runs your testing. Before we wrap up, I just want to share one note on take-home point number eight. We just detected bromazolam, a benzodiazepine that is not normally used in the United States in our illicit drug supply in our community. We've also heard from our patients here in California that they are using isotinidazine, an opioid that is not normally used in the United States. We reached out to the company that does our confirmatory urine drug testing and they are researching if they can test for them. Keeping in contact with the lab that you use can help make sure that you get the right information you need for your patients. And with that, that is the end of this episode. Thank you in advance for sharing this podcast with a colleague. Thank you for listening and thank you for what you do. And don't forget, treating substance use disorders saves lives.